Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. We continue to track what goes on with China Evergrande, the embattled property developer now with a little over 300 billion US dollars in total liabilities. The questions, of course, are how did things get to the stage and what risks are there of a potential collapse spreading across other sectors in China and possibly even the rest of the region? Well, today on Money FM 89.3, we're joined once again by Mr. Brock Silvers, the CIO of Kaiyan Capital, who's out in Hong Kong and has been tracking this more closely than others with regards to what this will mean naturally for Chinese markets and the potential for contagion there. Brock, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are in good health and safe during these times. And welcome back to the show, sir. I hope you're having a good Thursday afternoon. I am. Great to be here again. Since we last spoke, things seem to have gotten worse for China Evergrande and even picked up in the last couple of days. We've seen the developer appointing financial advisors to guide a possible restructuring. Beijing saying, nope, we're going to actually send our own financial advisors to also take a look at it from their point of view. There's also finally warned that there, is a, there are possible default risks and shrinking profit margins. Have things really gotten that much worse since we last spoke by your estimates? Yeah, well, things have certainly not gotten better. You know, first and foremost, I I think the monetization plan for non-core assets has been dragging. Um, And and that's really the key to Evergrande's normalization. And then there have been other signs of tumult. You know, massive trade payables have have folks worried and retail concern over Dow payments. Um, also, uh, Also have the government worried, I think, and thus... Evergrande tried to get ahead of the situation by appointing new advisors, and the government said, well, if there's a risk of our capital uh, you know, being used here, we want our own advisors. Okay. I think there are several potential pathways to improvement, but, but look, for right now, it certainly uh, is a difficult uh, situation. Mm, you know, based on the timeline, Brock, uh, it seems Evergrande's woes really coincided with China's three red lines, uh, which they imposed to try and make sure developers can shape up in terms of managing leverage and credit risk before they can tap the debt markets. But given how long you've been looking at Chinese markets, were the risks of property developers in the mainland already there at the concerning levels before the new regulations were rolled out? Are Can we really link the issues directly to the three red lines, or have these problems been in existence even way before that? And this just really raised the alarm or, 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 or intensified the smoke coming out of the fire? I, I don't think this is a new problem. You know, Evergrande hasn't done anything new or innovative in order to find itself in this, in this spot. In fact, Evergrande's balance sheet management is probably the Chinese real estate industry standard. Um, it's always been a sector that kind of ran heavily dependent upon access to debt capital uh, and government relationships. Evergrande was simply bigger and better at this game than than its rivals, and I think that's why it's further in the hole at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Was this a practice pretty much for, and is this a bigger, um, perhaps more problematic practice for many property developers in China, where it seems that they were dependent on tapping the capital markets, debt capital markets, to try and refinance their debt, and now that the taps have been tightened considerably, now we're finding themselves in the hole. Is this something more endemic to a lot of property developers in, in China? Yes, there's no way it's all, that this is uh, an Evergrande-only problem. It's a sector-wide problem, um, and to the extent that um, to the extent that this issue at Evergrande has the potential to rock the dollar bond market, 
That applies for the whole sector. Mm-hmm. Now, apart from shares falling to below IPO levels, as we saw earlier this week, Evergrande bonds have suffered. And some actually estimate that in a best-case scenario, post-restructuring, we could see these U.S. dollar bondholders only recouping about $0.25 cents on, 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 the do- on every dollar they've invested in a bond. Um, some, though, are arguing that these bonds can be actually at a steal. Where do you sit on this discussion, sir? You know, from the equity perspective, look, it's a bit of a disaster uh, right now from what from where I sit. Um, but I actually think the dollar bonds uh, might be oversold. There's substantial hmm. risk here, no doubt. But I think that Evergrande has the assets and the ability to meaningfully reduce debt. The, there is a problem that's popped up, and, and perhaps it's threefold. Look, there's a timing issue. Um, and Evergrande is being pushed to raise capital at a quicker pace than it would like. Um, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. There's a motivation issue as the management team may be reluctant to sell assets at what it thinks are fire sale prices. Um, I have very little sympathy on, on that score. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a social stability issue. I think Beijing is probably willing to create some runway for the company. But if things spin out of control, it can't and won't risk social chaos. And I have a good deal of sympathy on that score. Mm-hmm. On the whole, I think I'm more bullish than not on the dollar bonds right now. Interesting. So do you, uh, given the fact that we've touched on that, I'd like to ta- uh, stay on that issue also. Um, what is sure. the potential for Evergrande to create short-term or even medium-term volatility in China? We've talked about a number of contractors, suppliers, customers, and even and possibly employees on the hook with their investment products, property. Um, you've talked about social unrest. How bad can it get volatility-wise based on your experience, given we're also talking about Chinese markets, which are pretty unique in terms of handling the, some of this volatility? Look, from a market's perspective, I think the volatility is pretty much priced in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both equity and debt uh, pricing has just been hammered uh, in, in recent months. So I think markets are already expecting the worst. But the economic volatility that Evergrande could cause to China's broader economy is still quite significant. Um, and so is the potential volatility to Chinese society. And that's a, you know, a governmental red line that I think they will uphold uh, quite rigorously. I don't think it will come to those uh, eventualities, but, but let's hope I'm right. Mm. We're still speaking to Brock Silver as the CIO for Cayenne Capital here on Money FM 89.3, talking about the ongoing trials, tribulations, and uh, perils that China Evergrande is facing and what this might mean for broader markets for the most part. Um, Brock, you know, earlier this week, I actually spoke to a veteran journalist about Hanbo Steel's collapse in South Korea decades back, which he argued helped catalyze the Asian financial crisis. Um, now, the question now, I think, for markets here in Singapore are, if things do turn for the worst for Evergrad, could this potentially reverberate for the worst in terms of broader Asian markets? Or do you think this is potentially contained within China for the most part, when you compare and contrast these two possible, this potential um, episode of uh, perhaps a financial collapse versus one that already happened about 25 years ago? Look, this has the potential to be a very negative event for China's economy. China Inc.'s ability to raise money via IPO, dollar bond, or even PE investment may all be challenged simultaneously soon, and that's not good. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But if it does, I think it would be a significant drag on not just China as a whole, but the whole region. You know, China is economically large enough to impact everyone at this point, and I think we all have an interest in seeing healthy Chinese capital markets. So the real downside scenario case, I think, uh, is, is quite dangerous for the region. 
but but I don't know that that's a probability. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. So do you think that people who might be calling it a potential layman event, for lack of a better term, do you think that that might be a bit of an overreach? Potentially, it could be. But personally, I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll get to that point. I think we'll see uh, ultimately uh, a successful resolution. Mm. All right. Fair enough. You know, uh, Brock, uh, since we're staying with property uh, markets, as we m- mentioned, uh, Evergrande's not the only property developer that's run into troubles recently. Um, uh, or another thing we took note of earlier also was the scrap takeover of uh, Blackstone uh, for, of Blackstone for Soho, China, which is another one of those embattled major developers. Um, in terms of this, what type of risks does Soho uniquely contain for the markets in China? And what does this tell you as an investor about Beijing's efforts to try and liberalize the financial markets on the mainland? Well, the rejection of the, uh, of the Soho deal was not a positive event from my perspective. Um, You know, market liberalization in China may continue, but the integration of China into the Western financial system and markets, I think, looks like it's on hold. Um, You know, that Blackstone and CEO Stephen Schwartzman couldn't couldn't do a simple real estate acquisition says a lot about the bilateral relationship. And it looks to me as if both sides may well be preparing for an escalated decoupling, um, which which is certainly not good news. Now, as for Soho, I think it may be in for a difficult time. I'm not sure it has much uh, domestic attraction, and foreign suitors now may be significantly scared off. You know, if uh, if Stephen Schwartzman couldn't do this deal, what makes me think that I can't? And do you think that this might also uh, uh, be more difficult uh, in terms of attracting um, mainland investment, given the fact that perhaps people are a little bit more cautious or careful, given some of the issues that Evergrande has now raised for property markets there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, indebtedness must be very scary, especially especially for real estate companies in China right now. Um, and other investors thinking about getting in could also be put off as as different exit strategies become more problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock, I, 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 it's, uh, I, I hesitate to ask you to comment on what some of your other peers, investor peers, uh, have, have uh, said about Chinese markets. But this is, there is that steering debate now among noted investors about China. I'm sure you took note of George Soros' editorial in The Wall Street Journal warning Black, BlackRock against taking property, uh, against the property and regulatory risks in China and also why it's dangerous to invest in China. Then you had the likes of Mark Mobius and Ray Dalio pushing back, still saying that China is the place to be. Um, it's a very stirring argument. I'd l- I'm just curious, uh, uh, Brock, where do you sit in this argument? You know, I, uh, I very infrequently agree with George Soros on economic matters, but mm-hmm. I think he may, he may well be right on this one. Um, you know, from a market's perspective, I think China is going through a period of... Uh, deep and significant instability and uncertainty. Now, my allocation for China equities right now remains zero. I just don't think that I can place a value on Chinese shares right now, even for the companies that I inherently like. Um, if the bond market then implodes as well, if, uh, if the Evergrande situation deteriorates, I think many investors may well like, look to take a break from China. Which, uh, which I think would be unfortunate. The long-term China story remains as compelling as ever, but in the short term, um, investors may be looking elsewhere. You know, it, a lot of this seems to also ride, uh, Brock, on the ability of regulators to make sure that there's a quote-unquote soft landing should Evergrande implode or some of these other risks materialize for the most part. Do you think that uh, regulators, in terms of experience and capability, do you think they're up to the task to making sure that that does happen? And do you think it's in their interest to do so? 
Well, look, in my experience, the, the Chinese regulatory team and the Chinese economic team uh, are, are very highly qualified and they're smart guys who, who take these matters seriously. I think they would like to see a soft landing, um, but there are a bunch of, a bunch of competing, uh, competing priorities at this point. So what I'd like to see done isn't always necessarily what they'd like to see done. Right. A lot of things that are a lot of questions still up in the air, it seems, and a lot for us to wait and see on with regards to the unfolding saga with regards to China Evergrande, property developers on the mainland and overall risks in that market. I'd like to thank Brock Silvers, the CIO of Cayenne Capital, for joining us today on Money FM 89.3 to help us tackle these many issues. Brock, as always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. We look forward to next time we can have you back on the show. Meanwhile, do stay safe, and uh, I hope you're having a good rest of the week ahead, sir. We'll see you next time. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.